welcome to the Resilient Birth Podcast. Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah. On this podcast, we navigate the world of trauma in the perinatal period, both personally and professionally. Justine and I believe what is uniquely beautiful about this podcast is that the you as our listener can be the perinatal professional or the you who desires to have a family, has a family, or may have lost children. We hope you can find what you need as you listen, connect with our vulnerability, and feel witnessed in others' experiences. We talk about trauma on this podcast, so please take care of yourself and meet yourself with kindness and grace. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm looking forward to seeing what Justine has for us today. So, Justine, do you want to kick us off and let us know what quote you're bringing in this week? Yeah, sure. I'm excited to be sharing this with you. I've been returning to a book this week that I uh, have really enjoyed because for me, bringing in the voices of the people who have experienced trauma and worked through that in connection to their journeys through the perinatal period, it's those voices that really teach me so much about what is necessary and what is needed. I think that while there is a place for statistics, I kind of get lost in numbers and I find those voices just so powerful. So this week I've been returning to the book Survivor Mums, Women's Stories of Birthing, Mothering and Healing After Sexual Abuse. The book is by Mickey Spurlich and Julia Seng. Yeah, so I'm just going to jump right in with this quote and then I'll share a little bit about what my thoughts are around it. This is Rebecca speaking and she shares these words. She's talking about her, her pregnancy and she says, For a change, dissociation helped. It kept my physical discomfort from affecting my feelings about being pregnant. I loved pregnancy, and the discomforts were completely irrelevant to how much I loved it. I dissociated my experience of pregnancy from the negatives, and that was great. But I also separated my experience of pregnancy from actually having a child. It seemed so peculiar to me to have people tell me anticipatory things about babyhood and parenthood. I was pregnant, thanks, and the goal was labor and delivery, not a baby. Baby development and even my interaction with my growing child was a different process, happening at the same time, but not on the same track. And so those are are Rebecca's words from that book. And I find them so interesting and powerful because they really tell me about an experience of dissociation that carries the the positive and the negative with it. So the the positive being that it really helped her to cope with the discomforts of pregnancy. It, It helped her to manage the feelings that she was having and, and the sensations that were difficult for her. And at the same time, it got in the way of that feeling of connection to her baby, but also the feeling of connection to between the process of pregnancy, labor and birth and birthing and, and, and becoming a parent and, and having this baby. And one of the reasons why I brought it in today is I've been thinking a fair bit about dissociation or just that feeling of lack of presence that sometimes our clients have, whether it's lack of presence, 
with our baby, a lack of connection with our baby, or a lack of presence at the time of their birth and how upsetting that can be for people afterwards where they've, they feel as though they had to dissociate during labor and birth and then they didn't experience the moment that their baby was born in the way that they wanted to, in the way that felt connected and grounded and present for their child. And I've been having a fair few conversations with people about wanting to be more present this time around. I've had a number of clients recently who are um, having babies after previous birth trauma. And so this is their second or, or third child. And so they're they're looking for how do I stay more present? How do I be more present? But at the same time, being less present can be a tool that they use to cope with difficult things. And so it's difficult for them to necessarily just switch out of that and find ways of of being connected. And often there's a fear that that the work that we do together will will not be sufficient to help them to stay in connection in the moment. But always I'm hoping that what we do do together will enable that moment of connection at the point at which they get to meet their baby. While at the same time, I think I'm also trying to stay in a place where I recognize that there can be moments of connection with our children that happen all the way along their lives. And that this, you know, yes, there are particularly charged moments, like the moment of a child's birth, but there are other charged moments as well. And there are other opportunities for making those connections and being present and that that it's not all lost mm-hmm. if this is not the moment. So I also try and hold that perspective for them. Anyway, so this is this is what's been kind of swimming around in my brain over the last few days. And I thought I would bring it in for our conversation today. So Sarah. Yeah. Can I now share with you what's swimming around in my brain? Yeah, please be. So there's a few things that come to mind. I think what Rebecca shared is probably the most common ask I have amongst my clients of their top goal is to remain grounded and connected to this pregnancy and birth. There's especially for second or third time parents, there's a lot of expression of like shame or guilt of like not feeling connected at that moment of meeting and the impact that it has on attachment and the impact it has on how they hold that moment. Can they look at that moment as this beautiful moment if they weren't in connection with their child? So it's interesting to hear Rebecca say it in this really poignant way because I hear it in all these different ways throughout my, my work. The other thing that's swimming in my head is there's this line, I think, of self-sacrificing what we may need in order for either what others want or what the expectation is imprinted on us. And I have yet to see a show or a movie show that disconnection 
in birth. It's always this like, oh, instantly, like I saw my child and I just was in love and I knew it. I can be honest that that was not a feeling I felt in many of my births. And so where's that line of giving ourselves maybe what we need, even if it goes against the grain of what we're being told we're expected to give? And if we're already starting off this relationship with our child of giving beyond ourselves or giving beyond what feels good to us, like what, how many dominoes does that tip? Hmm. Moving forward. Yeah, there was one more thought that was swimming around, but it swam out. I'll bring it back in if I can remember. <laughs> yeah, I think that that question of of giving to ourselves, giving to others, giving to a baby when we're pregnant, which is part of ourselves, not a fully separate being yet, and yet also kind of this alien thing that's not quite us. It's a very strange place to be. Pregnancy, I, I always found it rather, yeah, just such an, an unusual experience to be both one and two mm-hmm. at the same time, self and other in the same body. And to connect to that can feel quite difficult. Uh, and sometimes what one needs is not to be always connected to baby but actually maybe to be doing things for ourselves and to be taking care of what we need and that might mean not thinking about the pregnancy every moment of the day not being constantly aware of it I think that my you know looking back at my pregnancies my first pregnancy where I was so hyper aware of every single little physical change and discomfort and feeling and twinge and itch and push and pull within myself, I actually felt quite alienated from myself and quite alienated from my baby. And it didn't feel very safe to be in that body. Whereas in my future pregnancies where I was busier with a toddler and with other children and so was in many ways just didn't have the time to be as connected. And so it was more of a circumstantial thing that (laughs) that separated me from my physical experiences where I was just too busy to focus. That was actually incredibly helpful for me. It was helpful for me to, in the times when I could forget I was pregnant, to forget I was pregnant. It was helpful for me not to be in constantly thinking about and worrying about and wondering about, because that's where I go. I go to a place of anxiety. So I'm not, like, it'd be lovely if I was that person who felt connected to my baby and just talked to my baby and loved my baby right from the moment that that they were conceived. But I'm really not. I just go into a place, generally speaking, of anxiety and worry and concern about the future and uncertainty and feelings of lack of safety. So it's actually not very helpful. I mean, it can I mean, maybe that's not actually me being connected. But in one sense, it is still an awareness 
of what's going on versus ignoring it and being disconnected from the experience as much as possible. And then there's a a switch later in the pregnancy, more towards the end, when I suddenly start having to, it is just too strong to switch it off, I guess. Then I have to start taking care of myself and of mentally of the pregnancy itself. I mean, of course, I take care of the pregnancy and myself physically, try to, but it's that mental taking care of, which is a little different. Yeah. It is a little different and it's a little different how someone might carry this pregnancy journey as I'm listening to Rebecca's words in my head again. I think about how I'm no way saying that the experience of being pregnant is traumatic, but if you've walked with trauma, sometimes in that moment of the trauma, I can feel like you can't escape it. Like you can't put it down. Like it's just this lived thing that you're stuck with walking through. And then after, because our body and our mind and spirit can remember it so strongly, again, it can feel like we're stuck and we can't get out of it and we can't escape it. And I think that's what the unique thing about this pregnancy period is it feels really different to never be alone Hmm. and to never be able to just take a moment, breathe and put things down fully. Because that's one of the things that helped me in my story was being able to like step away from it, like to just be like, I'm going to be fully present in this thing right now and give that my all. And that allows my story to go quiet, to even disappear and maybe not be a forefront of my identity. And in pregnancy, you can't ever do that because Mm. there is this being in you and with you all the time. And I think that's why for me and maybe for others, it can feel like this connected piece to your story because the things I've used to heal before are no longer available to me. And the way that Rebecca could maybe get as close to it was this disassociation. But how many times are we told like, this is not good. Like you want to stay in your body. Like, you know, this is something you want to overcome. And maybe this is, the only tool someone can lean into in order to feel like for a moment they are free from the stories around them. Yeah. I feel that that's so powerful, that idea that you can't put it down and that connection with trauma where it feels if you have experienced trauma that that, that, that you carry a story that you can't release. And I'm, I'm reminded of that moment that I think many of us get to, where we're so done with being pregnant and you're just so pregnant, like really, really pregnant. And I've I've carried two babies to 42 weeks. So I've been really, really, really pregnant twice. The other one was also close to, to 40 weeks, but the 42-week babies were it was a long time and I was so ready to be done. And the thing that surprised me after the birth of my first was that, of course, you're not done when you've given birth because having a baby means that you have a baby and you're not, the process of birth is the start 
of separation between you and your child, but it's not the end of separating these two beings that are one into two. Really, you feel like you're still one being and you're not ready yet to be separated from your infant. You're biologically designed to stay in connection, to hold your baby, to keep your baby skin to skin, to be close to your baby. That's, And it's painful when we experience separations. And even if we do experience a separation, a physical separation, we can still feel like the, we feel the wrongness of that and, and the deepness of the connection that we have, even when we may, don't necessarily feel connected to our baby. Right? It's, it's a different thing than that overwhelming love and, oh, I, I've known you all the time. And what I'm, what I'm describing is a different feeling from that promise of feeling connected that I think we're given for just after the baby's born and maybe we get that, that golden hour. It's, it's more, it comes somewhere deeper, more, more biological. And I think, you know, that process of separating right? Like it's, it's a slow process. It actually takes a number of years to become two out of one. So birth is just the start of that process of separating physically. And yeah. And, and I feel that that can be so difficult when we're done. Mm-hmm. So I remember with my first, I was done. And then all of a sudden I was, I birthed this baby and it was a difficult birth. I I was suddenly carrying some birth trauma from that experience that was that had awakened my my previous trauma so I was feeling more connected to that and I couldn't put down the story that I'd been carrying about this pregnant like I couldn't put down this baby like this baby still needed to be cared for he still needed to be nurtured he still needed feeding he still needed my body he needed to be on my body he needed my milk he needed my care he needed so he was still me and i couldn't put him down and that was a surprise to me i hadn't kind of i thought with the end of my pregnancy that i would be done and i wasn't done i still couldn't be myself Yeah. And I think that's what your story and Rebecca's quote makes me think of like, well, who is ourself? And when you're someone who has wanted a baby and wanted a pregnancy, and then these feelings come crashing into them, it can almost feel like you, where do you go with them? Because I remember sharing some of these feelings with other people and they're like, you wanted a baby, like you wanted. It's like, yes, I wanted these things, but I didn't know that this losing of my autonomy would hit me so incredibly hard mm-hmm. because you're not expecting these other threads you've had in your life to be pulled during this time. Like no one ever sat me down. It's like, just so you know, mm-hmm. some difficult moments in your life might be playing out while you carry your child. You're just, I felt like run over by all this experience. And sort of blindsided by it. And then how do you, when you have this being like you're talking about, who's now on the outside, 
figure out again who you are when there's not oneness yet. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to happen for a long time because even now, I mean, I have kids that are, some of them are older, but I'm still their first go-to. I'm the one, if they can't find something in the house, they will find me no matter where I am, you know, (laughs) they'll walk past many other adults to find me. And so it has been a really hard struggle to try and feel connected to myself again. And not that I'm walking through my life disassociating, but I'm walking through my life with this, like maybe mourning and curiosity about like, who do I want to be? Like, who was I like, and who am I? And so when I think back to Rebecca's words and she's talking about how she wants to be more present, well, what would that be for her? Like presence is different for everybody. Is it present with yourself? Is it present in the space? Like, what do you want to be taking in? And I don't know when we get the time and the like energy to find out who we are to even answer those questions again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so many of my clients want more presence. And some of that is, you know, we work on grounding tools, what connects them to their sense of self and how do they reconnect if they have moved to be more disconnected, what can return them. And we talk about support and what support they need from the people in the space if and what they need not to feel unsafe so what would give them because when we when we disconnect so often we're disconnecting because of a lack of safety whether it's a lack of safety in the environment or lack of safety inside of our bodies we're we're disconnecting from that in order to protect ourselves so we work on on all of that but yeah like how do we but there's a deeper work here, I think, as well, which is in that, you know, that's a kind of like in the moment, right? But then there's this deeper work, which is to do with how do we connect to ourselves as individuals, as a who am I being, when we're always in, and this is maybe the truth of life, we're always in relation with others. And parenthood really pushes that right there's there's no there's no escaping relationship with the people that we care for it's just so we're always a self in relationship to another self and this other self isn't fully separate they have been born from us and they come from us and they are themselves I mean, of course, like, I mean, I wish I could control my children to make them into who I want them to be. And they're very much themselves. But yeah, like, it's difficult to be who I am, always in relation. And I'm going through, you know, I've got a toddler at the moment. And, and it's, you know, he's working out who he is right now. So we're getting a lot of no's and a lot of things that were easy before are now difficult. and. It's kind of interesting and fun to see, but he also really, really needs constant presence of me mm-hmm. if I'm home. So he's always in my space. And this is very normal, right? Like it's it's very common. So you can't go to the bathroom by yourself and you can't be in the kitchen by yourself and you can't all these things. And it's tiring. 
to never have a moment where you can just be oneself and do something for oneself and have him be himself, maybe playing in a separate room, in a separate space, just enjoying his environment. And he's just not at the stage where that feels safe for him or, or, you know, he's not there yet. He's a, he's a toddler and that's, that's where we're at. And I think that feeling of going back to this moment of birth, right? Like it's such a poignant moment because in order to be connected to our babies, we also have to be connected to ourselves in this moment. And, and I think that that is just, it's difficult to be there in these very intense experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when we walk with trauma, we may not know who we are yet or know what safety feels like in our body. Like what would being grounded and present within your body look like even before pregnancy, if that's a possibility. And then we're putting this expectation to feel that way in a very heightened moment, which is another time in our life where there's a shift in our identity. And so it's supporting our client to like connect to those ways that they like found that presence before. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and who helped them find it? What were their mannerisms? Like what safety did they have? Because it is something that can be accomplished, but our client has to believe that they can be safe in their body first. Mm-hmm. Because we can give them all the tools to be like, oh, you can ground this or that. But if they don't trust that their body can keep them safe, how can we expect that part of them who holds the trauma most to not want to leave? Mm. But something is mirroring that. And so it is really important to do the back work to see those times in our clients' lives where they felt that presence and grounding and really tap in and grow the roots around that. So that way they can bring that in in this very emotionally charged moment of meeting their child or children yeah because if you don't as you say believe that you can be safe then when you go through something as intense as childbirth whether it's a vaginal birth a home birth a hospital birth a cesarean birth it's an intense experience whatever kind of birth you you have it it carries its physical and emotional and psychological intensity and weight. And if you don't believe that there is a place of safety within yourself for that experience, then then there isn't an easy way to be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do parts work with clients mm-hmm. Because that just is something that really connects to me. I think that we are not one thing. We are all these beautiful parts that make us up. And I often do some work where we connect to these parts that are parts that disassociate or get heightened in certain situations. And we connect to that part and like share the plan we've come up with Mm. to see if that part 
feels like that plan will keep them safe or if there's any like feedback from that part. And it's been really beautiful to do that work because you've seen this part that's been so holding on to disassociation as the only thing that can keep them safe. And then when this plan is in place and they lean into it and they see that the self can take the driver's seat and they don't need to leave the self, mm-hmm. shift for the client is phenomenal because the power they realize is within them. It's not from anything I'm saying to them. It's not from the provider in the room. Yes, do they help in the process? But this plan comes from the strength and the words of the client. And then those other people in the space are just people who enhance this plan. And to then see this fear part be quieted by the knowledge of this person, that's life-changing. Yeah. And I think that knowledge that that we do get to be in experiences or that, that power to choose to be in an experience, even if the experience is difficult. I think this is one of the things that often I hear from my, from my clients, like, I don't need a perfect birth. I don't need to have an easy birth. If I have to go through an induction again, I can do that again. If I need a cesarean, I'm happy to do a cesarean, right? I don't need to have a pain-free or even a trauma-free birth. What I want is not to fly from my birth. So even if I'm sad, even if I'm scared, even if I'm overwhelmed, I want to be there feeling that so that when my baby is born, I can feel that too. And I think that that's a really, in some ways, a really powerful place to be when you're looking ahead into such an unknown experience to not necessarily be wanting a particular kind of an experience. And of course, we would all like our births to be straightforward and easy and joyful and full of all the good stuff. But to have a real sense of capability to cope with the hard as well as with the good, that you're you're not dependent upon it all, you know, the stars aligning and everything going smoothly for this to be an okay experience that you can really trust in your ability to be present, to connect with yourself, to receive from yourself and from others what you need and to face whatever it is that is being asked of you in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then we get to greet our babies very differently from even in moments of fear or sadness or disappointment, we still get to greet our babies differently from complete checkout and disconnection. Yeah. Yeah. I think, especially when we're a first time birth giver, I think we just don't know what we don't know. And so, I went into my first birth being like, you know, I don't want this. I don't want this. All these kind of things. You know, I want birth like this. And my ideals were more centered around how I was going to like meet my child versus how I want to like feel or be when I meet my child. Hmm. 
And I just don't, didn't know, like everyone was talking about like, oh, are you going to go for a natural birth? Are you going to do that? Like, so everyone's talking about like how this baby's going to come in the world. So I think that that's what I need to focus on. And when I work with second and third time parents, they're much more connected to that emotionality piece. Like, oh, I want to be calm. I want to be grounded. Because also until you've had a child, you don't know what it feels like to emotionally connect with a child. Like, it's hard to even imagine what that, like, I mean, you, you care for your partner and you fall in love with your partner, but it's like different. Mm. And then once you've understood what that relationship is like, you now can connect more deeply to those emotions of like, yeah, how do I want to begin this relationship that I know is going to be happening with this being I'm going to have? Because I remember when they handed my son to me for my first time after my first birth, I was like, wait, this is what's been inside me. Like, it just was so mind blowing. Like, I just didn't know. And so I wonder if we could have more conversations with people wherever they are in their birth journey, first, second, third, or adoption or whatever, like, how do we want to feel? How does Rebecca want to feel? And then how do we support her in feeling that way? Like, how did I want to feel? How did you want to feel? Like, all the research shows that it's not about how the baby enters in this world, whether or not that signifies it as traumatic or not. Mm-hmm. It's that like emotional connection to whatever the event is. And I think the medicalization of birth has just moved it so much to the like, how do you want to do this moment? (laughs) What do you want to be in this moment? What do you want this moment to be like for you emotionally and spiritually, Mm -hmm. physically? Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because parents, particularly first-time parents, get a lot of flat for wanting particular kinds of birth experiences. And there's this attitude of, well, you shouldn't want too much. You shouldn't expect too much. You shouldn't want to have an unmedicated birth. You shouldn't, you shouldn't expect to meet your baby in a particular way because birth is so unpredictable. And, and they, there's a lot of negative attitudes out there to this desire that people have to have particular kinds of births, whether it's with an epidural or without an epidural, whether it's a home birth or or whatever it might be. And I think that there is that flack is, it's kind of, it's almost as if the people who are viewing those desires negatively are actually almost misplacing their disregard. And what they're they're doing is they're saying, maybe what I'm trying to say is that they've misrecognized what the desire actually is. Mm -hmm. So they've misrecognized that the desire isn't so much for an unmedicated birth, not to d- dismiss people's desire for an unmedicated birth. I have that with all my children. I really wanted unmedicated birth. So I get it. But what people are doing with that desire is that they're trying to control a particular kind of feeling that they hope that they can have. But that's that level of how do you want to be is going on at a, at a, it hasn't been brought into the conversation. It hasn't been brought into the consciousness, right? So the only way we can access that that f- desired feeling 
is by picking a particular kind of birth. It's the only way we know how to do it. And then the people who give people flack for that are also not are saying, well, you know, you can't control birth. You can't predict how it's going to go. And they're also failing to recognize that people are just trying to seek, are actually trying to seek a particular way of being through the choices that they're making around the desired birth they want. And so there's a, there's all this kind of, there's this underlying push or, or drive to feel safe, to feel connected to self, to maintain a sense of autonomy, to, to feel our power, to birth in power. And it's these things that drive these choices that people are making, but we haven't brought them into consciousness. We haven't identified them. And there is such a dismissal of people's choices based upon, a, I think, a, a misrecognition of what they're actually seeking by making those choices. Mm-hmm. So people are actually seeking power and autonomy, a sense of control, a desire to meet their baby feeling joyful and safe. Yeah. And I think it can be looked at as this rigidity from this person. Like they have this plan in mind and they're rigid and they, they need this to happen. And, you know, I think about all the different reasons why some of my clients have been leaning towards certain births and like, Maybe the person who wants an unmedicated birth wants it because that being able to feel and sense the pain keeps them grounded within their body and connected to their body. And so knowing that they're working through those waves would keep them feeling grounded and safe. So maybe that's their choice, but all the doctor or the OB or the midwife peers is unmedicated. And then I have other clients who want to go for a a scheduled cesarean because that makes them feel safe because they have more control and they know what date it's going to be. And they know that their partner is going to be there and they know what doctor they can have. And all of those things of the knowing makes them feel like that is how I want to feel when I meet my child. I don't do well in confusion or the unknown. So if I birth in this way, this makes me feel really good. And then I have other clients who might be going for an epidural because for them, the feeling of pain connects them to their trauma. And they want to know that that can be wiped out and that they can just be in that calmness within their body. And so like, there's all these beautifully deep reasons on why mm-hmm. someone might be coming in with a birth plan saying, I want to birth in this way. And why are we not asking the questions that lead to the being or the feeling that is behind that? Instead of looking at it as this rigid plan, plans can shift if we honor the feelings that are connected to it. Like, I hear that you want this, but if I can't give it to you, how do we help you feel that way in a different situation? Mm-hmm. Because if we know how people want to be or want to feel in their birth, if we know what's going to help them feel connected and safe and in control, then we can shift plans. People can shift and people can feel honored in those shifts that might need to take place when certain things that they thought they wanted they no longer want or when the birth direction needs to change for medical reasons or whatever it might be but instead i think what happens is we're not recognizing the power of the experience we're not recognizing the power of of how do people maintain that sense of of safety or of autonomy or of control and the importance of that. 
when we're asking them to make these shifts. We're just saying, you need to make the shift. Mm-hmm. It's time to schedule a cesarean. There isn't a choice here. And there's no recognition of, actually, there is that feeling that they, that they want to have that is driving their desired birth plan. And yes, the birth needs to change because of whatever it might be, but we can still give you, or how can we help you still have something of what you wanted? Let's work around that. Let's honor that. Yeah. I think that takes me back to Rebecca's words and my takeaway from today is when she shared about her, how disassociation brought her some safety, but then also this longing for what it disconnected her from. It's just hearing that quote is just, you're just scratching the surface. There's so many ways that you can support Rebecca in going deeper there and finding out that point of disconnection. What feeling or experience was she missing? And how can she now reclaim that in this journey with their child? You know, it's not lost. And so like, if they were longing for a certain feeling and they couldn't get it because they had disassociated to, to gain the safety, how can we unearth that so then they can figure out how to make sure those feelings are part of this journey now so it feels like they're reclaiming and healing what was lost. So her statement is so powerful, but there's so much more that can be done there to support her in healing that point by unearthing those feelings and needs. Yeah. And I think for me, what I'm going to be taking away is reconnecting again to this deeper place of connection. So it's not the work that we do is not just about how do we help someone feel grounded in the moment by offering skills and techniques and ideas, but really connecting them to that place of being, whether it's self or being in safety or being in control. What do they want for their experience? How do they connect into that? Have they felt it before? And it's finding those places within our work where we can really drive change in our clients' experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. And if you liked today's content, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and share with a friend or colleague. And if anything came up for you on today's episode, please take a moment today to take care of yourself reach out to some supports in your community, and if necessary, reach out to a local mental health professional.